So yesterday we learned about how wonderful it is to kick your enemies when they're down. How wonderful it is to kick your enemies when they're, when they're down. What? Really? Your father seems like such a wise person. Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, anything out of context. I really enjoyed having your father as a student. He does, he does ask you, how's your God has created the wicked. What does it mean that God has creates the wicked? He makes people into sinners? No. No. What does that mean? What did he create? He created the potential to subdue the Um He created the he created the, the, that he created that's the right that subduing the subdracha brings out pleasure, brings out the yes. And then he created the he created that transforming the subdracha brings pleasure. Right. Right. So. Well, I mean, subdracha is klipa, isn't it? Wicked people, Sidraqa? No. No, no. Yeah, in other words, okay. The Alter Rebbe is explaining that Hashem creates Rashaim wicked people in a very non literal way. He's not saying Hashem creates a person that is wicked. He creates that there is a mode of bringing out Hashem's pleasure, giving Hashem gratification, that involves being wicked. Now, being wicked not in the sense of sinning, being wicked in the sense of, of subduing wickedness, right? which means you have to encounter the wickedness, right? Okay? But the thing that he is creating is not the lack of being a tzaddik. What he's creating is that there's any meaning to your subduing of the sitrachah, which is why you would exist as a creature that has a perpetual sitrachah rearing its ugly head inside of you. Yes? Okay. Now, so at the end of the day, does it really matter whether you're a tzaddik or a bainani if you adopt Hashem's perspective? No. Now, which is superior, tzaddik or abenini? What? Both. In different ways, right? It'd be a little bit weird if, you, if your eyes and your ears had a conversation about which one was better, and that the eyes were jealous that they weren't ears, and the ears were jealous that they weren't eyes, because like, you need both, right? So that's basically out there his point. Right. <clears throat> and he actually adds something, which I read through it kind of quickly. Is being a Bainani easy? No. no. Now, I want to I talk momentarily about the difference between being a Bainani and being a Tzaddik. What happens if a Tzaddik slacks off? Sure they can. Why not? Yeah, what happens? Well, what do you do when you slack off? You get lazy, you, and then what do you do? You don't, you don't do anything. You don't do anything? Really? Well, you don't accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Let's be a little more specific. What What do you do, what do you not do when you're more of a slacking off, not putting in a lot of effort? Basically, like, don't do good, like, you're doing that. You're not, you're not growing, so you're not 
but what do you do? Can we be concrete? Do you climb mountains? No. No, what do you do? You sit on the couch. You sit on the couch and you just sit there and that's it? No, you do things opposite of what you want to do. You go anywhere you want to do. You go on your phone. You go on your phone. What else? Eat. You eat. You eat. What else? You talk. You schmooze. That's right. You know why? Do you know why? Do you know why? What? Slacking off is. My slacking off is. I'm gonna go watch Star Wars. Uh huh. And what do you think my slacking off is? Your slacking off is. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, but now, what you understand is that when you slack off, you just. Right, because in, because when you slack off, you do the, you indulge in the things that you are naturally yeah, you drawn to. Hold yourself back from. That's right. Yeah. In other words, when you're not slacking off, you hold yourself back from doing things you desire to do but shouldn't, and you push yourself to do things you don't feel a desire to do but know you should. Right. Enjoy life. What? Just one second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're a tzaddik, what is the only kind of thing that you actually enjoy? Holy things. So if you slack off, what do you end up doing as a tzaddik? Holy things. Right? It's like, tzaddik's like, I'm having a day off. And what are you doing? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commune with God, after which I'm going to bask in his wisdom, after which I'm going to spread his light in the universe. Okay, so what's he doing when he's not slacking off? Because apparently there's more than one way to. Tzaddik, the only thing that a tzaddik delights and the only thing that tzaddik is drawn to is holiness, right? So if a tzaddik slacks off, all they do is holy things. Okay, but does that mean instead of learning? You know, they learned three my and now they're learning one. Is that slacking off? Like, is that a bad thing? It's not a question of bad or it's good. I just want us to understand that when a tzaddik, if a tzaddik is not going to put in any effort. Can you give an example of what a tzaddik slacking off? I think, I think, like, instead of, they want to just, like, connect to Hashem instead of, like, dealing with the world and, like, speaking to humans. Like, it's hard for them to, like, go and be, and not be good, but, like, go and talk to people but, and do normal things. They just want to, like, sit and have the sorrows. So I, I will tell you, I, I'm giving, I will tell you two stories, okay? One story is the previous Rebbe. The previous Rebbe, when he was a child, was a very, what's the way to put it? Precocious, very precocious, very vibrant child. Um, you know, he was the kind of child that when you're a teacher, you don't want to have in your class. You know those children, like they're way too alive for like classroom structure? Okay, so he was that kind of child. And one time his father walked by and saw that he was learning. And he told him, it says in the Shema, meheira, which literally means you will be quickly destroyed. Vavadatem, you will be destroyed. Meheira. That's a punishment for sinning. But the previous Rebbe's father, the Rebbe Shab, he translated it in the reverse. He says, Vavadatem Meheir, you have to destroy the going quickly. Meaning, you're, like, you're way too enthusiastic and you learn and you just enjoy learning and you just go quickly and you don't, you don't chew sufficiently. And so you need to destroy that tendency in yourself and really sit with something. That's what he told him. He passed by casually, saw him, he made this comment when he was about, I don't know, eight, nine years old. And the previous service said, at that point, I, I realized there's a whole new approach to studying Torah and serving God. So what was his slacking off? 
to gobble up as much Torah as he could as quickly as he could, right? Mm -hmm. And why? Because he was intellectual or because he sensed the holiness in it? But there's a higher way that he could serve Hashem, right? Okay, so it's between holiness and holiness, right? The previous Rebbe wrote, there's a, there's a volume of letters of the previous Rebbe's letters that were written to the Rebbe. Very personal letters. One could make the argument that no one should have published these letters. But they're published, so. <laughs> we're going to read them anyway. And um, the previous Rebbe at one point gives the Rebbe some very strong rebuke both to him and actually his wife, whose birthday is today, the Rebbitson, that um, they're too quiet. They don't talk. Who? The Rebbe and the Rebbitson. They're too quiet. They don't talk to people. The, the previous Rebbe writes, how, how much can you be quiet? You know, get out and talk to people. Nothing is going to be accomplished if you just sit between the two of you. How many years were they married? This was when they were living in France, I think, is when that letter was sent to them. But um, yeah, contrary, right? the Rebbe writes in a letter that he's naturally not, he's very, very introverted person. Right? So there's all sorts of ways of, of serving Hashem. And you know, just because you're drawn to holiness, there's the way you're naturally drawn to holiness, and there's a holiness that's above and beyond, right? So Tzadik has their own struggles, okay? But what happens if you're a Bainani and you slack off? Then you're not a Bainani anymore. No. <laughs> By definition, right? What's so funny? Nothing. Yes, but there's a lot of communication with eyes happening. Sorry. So a tzaddik will stay a tzaddik unless he chooses to stop being a tzaddik. And I don't want to get into that. What I'm saying is a tzaddik doesn't stop being a tzaddik because he's not working on it. I mean, things can happen. Hashem could take away the special experience of, of love that he has for Hashem. He could choose to rebel again. Everyone has free will. I'm not talking about these things. But the tzaddik, like, you know, it's like if you're the kind of person who, who, who likes eating and you slack off, you just eat a lot, right? <laughs> if you're the kind of person who loves holiness and you slack off, you just like, do a lot of holy things. The holy things that resonate with you, maybe not the holy things that God demands of you, but okay, fine. But if you're not a holy person and you slack off, what's going to happen? They're going to do bad things, right? So what happens if a tzaddik slacks off? He stays a tzaddik. What happens if a baini slacks off? He becomes a literal rasha. Good? Make sense? Now, human tendency. Can you give something, can you really be invested in something when you're dissatisfied with it and wish you had something else? It's an interesting story. Someone, someone wrote to the Rebbe, he was a teacher in one job. And he wrote to the Rebbe that he was being offered being principal in another school. And he wanted to take it, but he said, and if it doesn't work out, the old school I'm teaching is willing to take me back. So you know what the Rebbe wrote back as a reply? He said, if you're, not, if you're going to be the principal, knowing that you have the safety of going back, then you shouldn't go to be the principal. Because you're not fully invested in it. Burn the bridge behind you. This is a problem with marriage, right? Someone gets married, right? And then they entertain thoughts that maybe they should have married this other person, whether that's a specific other person or a generic other person. How invested are they in the actual building of that relationship? Right? You see the problem? So what happens, you've got a Baini who's feeling down for themselves because they're not a tzaddik. What, are they, what, are, what risk are they running? 
you're a bainini, and you're only a bainini because you're invested in, in being a bainini, right? And now they feel down that no matter how much they try, they're never going to be a tzaddik. And therefore, how invested are they going to be in continuing to be a Bainini? And do they run the risk of becoming a, an actual Rush at that point? And so the al says, yeah, maybe you should put your effort into making sure you don't become a Rush instead of feeling bad that you are not a Tzaddik. And that's not just a theoretical problem, that's a genuine problem. Right? A problem that the Tzaddik doesn't have, right? If the Tzaddik wishes that he was a Bainini, and he's like, oh, I wish I could be a Bainini, like, it's not going to turn him into a Rush. <laughs> Make sense? Okay. So this just further reinforces how much it can't be about what I want to achieve, right? It really has to be what is being achieved. So should we like really concentrate on things like so that they, that we're good at, so we don't become bad at them, rather than what we can become good at? No, you should always focus on what needs what needs to be done in the place in life that you're in, whether you're good at it or not. Now, sometimes, so I'll give you two scenarios, right? Let's say, um, let's say you know Hasidus, and you're in a place where people don't know Hasidus. So clearly you're the person who should be teaching other people Hasidus, right? Because you know and they don't, right? That's kind of obvious, right? Um, and maybe you're not the best at it, maybe it doesn't matter, right? You're clearly like in the situation. But let's say you know a lot of Hasidus and there's no one teaching Aleph-based little kids and there's no one around who's capable or interested or willing to do that either. So you should say, well, yeah, but I'm qualified to teach Hasidus and that's a loftier thing. Or should you go teach the kids Aleph-based? because that needs to get done, and right? See what I'm saying? Like, it's a different way of thinking. Instead of, like, how do I... Now, this is, uh, uh, this is difficult because on some level for our own function, we do need to express ourselves. We do need to feel success. We do need to find ways of, of having avenues where we feel like we're achieving. Um, a friend of mine put it like this, that th doing the things that we're good at and feel good about ourselves are like eating. If you don't eat, you're not very functional, right? If you don't do things that you're good at and accomplish, feel accomplished in, then you're like on a psychological level starving. And then you can't do the things that are really needed of you. Does that make sense? So it's like, God willing, you're all going to be married. God willing, you all have children. Okay? Having children is really hard. Being a mother is hard. I'm not saying it's not wonderful, it's just hard. Okay? It takes from you. Okay, so a person doesn't have something that is feeding them, they don't have what to give. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now it could be, now the context of like serving her, so, the, so like a mother has to have some things that, that she feels like I'm doing something that is self-actualizing um, and success-building, and that gives me, that feeds me up, that I can actually have the, the, whatever I need to put into what I'm really being needed for, because no one else can be the mother of my children. No one else can be the wife of my husband, right? Well, that, that's the difficulty in life, right? The difficulty in life is figuring out how to, you know, manage all of those things in the proper way. And there's not one size fits all for that. So same thing with serving Hashem, right? You know, if, 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 if let's say a person is extremely musically talented, right? If they don't give expression to that and find self-actualization in that, they're probably going to feel very low energy and not be able to put things into what Hashem needs from them. Make sense? 
And that's not the same thing as indulging. That's like taking care of yourself. Now, that's what you need to know. Is this something I happen to like or enjoy? Or this is something I actually, just like I need food and drink, right? Some people are intellectual. They need to be, they need to have that intellectual engagement in order to have that. So there's a way of feeding yourself so that you can contribute. And as long as the thing is permitted according to Torah, and you really do need it in order to be at your best, then that's an important thing. But what I'm talking about is something different. At the end of the day, the success in those things is supposed to then give you enough that you're, 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 at, a, you're at, a, at a positive enough place that you can put an effort into things where you don't see success, but they're really important. Right? Does that make sense? Okay. And the, same, the same friend put it to me like this. He said, just like you go to work to make money to support your family, so you have to do things outside of your home. They could be the thing you get paid for that make you feel positive and optimistic. So when you go home, you're a net contributor as the husband or as the wife, as the father, or as the mother, rather than needing the, right? Because that's what you're, you're supposed to be building a family. So, right? So in a weird way, right? So you're getting both filled up, both economically and also in terms of the, you know, the social status and all that kind of stuff. So now look, we have an animal soul, just like we need to eat and drink. We also need to support ourselves psychologically, but those are in service of something. What we're talking about here is at the end of the day, the thing we really have to be invested in is the thing, the contribution we're being asked to make rather than how we actualize ourselves. And if you, and if the contribution we're asked to make is something that requires a way, is it requires effort and engagement and investment, which is the only way to be a vanity, right? because you're not transforming, it's, it's overcoming and subduing, then if you're, if you're um, full of resentment that, that you, this is your lot in life and you'd rather be this other kind of being, this tzaddik, you're just not going to be as invested as you should and you won't stay a bainani. If the Altarba says that, um, for had he recognized his station, that he's very far from the rank of a tzaddik and that he be a bainy, not a wicked person, even for a moment throughout his life. You know, that's, that itself is a huge task, to stay a bainy the rest of your life. is a huge, you know, focus on that. Good? Okay. New stuff. Okay, so now, um, everything we explained um, was in the context where the person is confronted with the klip, with the sitra'ach, or that lies within themselves in a way that they cannot prevent, right? What are the two ways that you cannot really prevent yourself from encountering the evil within, the sitra'ach, or the klip within? There are two things that you just cannot, what are they? Intrusive thoughts. Well, they're, they're, it's only intrusive thoughts, but intrusive thoughts of two subjects. Right, things that go right, heresy, doubts about the truth of Hashem, Tarmitzas. Right, from relationships, right? Things of an immodest nature, right? Other things, right? Other kinds of intrusive thoughts, again, bracketing mental health issues, right? Because we're not talking about the, 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 the fact the thought possesses you, just the fact that they occur. Um, you know, thoughts of jealousy or revenge or those kinds of things. Those are things that a person can actually work on, right? So it's not like you are doomed to you know, feeling resentful and jealous and hateful towards other people. Those are things you can work on. But you are kind of doomed to, even if you're like a, I would say old chassid with white beards, but hopefully you'll never be an old chassid with a white beard. <laughs> um, but 
you know, an old chassid with a grandmother shaito, right? <laughs> um, you still have those same, those same kinds of thoughts will still occur in your mind from time to time. And Nalterba's point is that that's not a bad thing. Granted, it means you're unholy, but it's a good thing because of what it achieves, right? But now that we know that subduing the sitra achra is itself an achievement, right? And it's not an achievement because of personal success, right? We didn't say, oh, it's an achievement because you worked hard. It's an achievement because it feels good, right? It feels good to Hashem, right? It feels good to have your enemies kicked when they're down, right? Well, once we know that, do we have to wait for those thoughts to show up in our minds, or can we maybe do a little more subduing of the sitra achra? All right, and that's the rest of the chapter goes. Is now we can take this idea of iskafi of subduing sitra achra and move it out of the realm from a reactive mitzvah, right? Leisasuru, do not turn astray after your heart, and after your eyes, where you have to kind of wait for those things to show up, and then you can do the mitzvah. You can actually be proactive. You can go find the sitra achra and take the fight to it. And then you're, and now it moves, and now it moves from a Why negative mitzvah to a positive mitzvah. Why would you do that? Like because it brings fun to your that's, right. that's why it's easier in our minds if we think about it like strongly to subdue the sitra I don't know if it's easier. That's why you would be motivated to do it. Right. Okay. Sounds easy. I think it's by I'm definition going to be hard. Motivated. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So. Before we read the text, so there is an idea that um, those people who have been exposed to Chabad Chassidus have heard. They've heard this idea called the Skafia. Okay, now before we learn this class, if I were to ask you what a Skafia was, how would you have translated or explained the idea? What? No, we are going there. Skafia, holding back. Skafia means holding back. Controlling yourself. Controlling yourself. Now, what does the word Skafia actually mean? Suppression. It means to suppress, to subdue. Right? Now, what is the thing being suppressed, being subdued? The sitrachra. Okay? Now, the sitrachra makes it sound so beautiful, but we're actually, the sitrachra is your own animal soul, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And why is iskafia important? Because that brings out, right, it brings out a revelation of Hashem, right? Okay. Okay. So now, yes? Is there any guy there? There any gaiva there? I mean, there could be gaiva in anything. Everything. Like it sounds very, like it, yeah, I don't want to like, it's very like satisfying if you get to control yourself for your own oh, well-being. Good. Okay, let's, let's, good, let's read. Moreover, you see this paragraph that begins moreover? <laughs> Even in the case of things that are fully permissible, Even in the case of things that are fully permissible. What does fully permissible mean? According to Torah. So give me an example of fully permissible things. Eating. eating. Okay, which is why Chassim talk a lot about eating. Many years ago, um, I was told that when I teach women, I probably shouldn't use eating as the example. Because, like, I don't know, women have all sorts of things with, like, I don't know, like um, eating disorders and stuff that is contributing to that. Not me personally, but just... Better. But where does it say more? What? Page one twenty one twenty. Oh whoa. Yes. 
Well, I, I figured that I should get the main point through, and I could spend a lot of time on tiny, tiny details, but I want to make sure we finish. And I realize, you know, if I go a little. Are you like every part? No. No. But have you shot this part before? Yes. Okay. So, permissible things. What are permissible things? Eating, what else? Sleeping. Sleeping, what else? Exercising, what else? Shopping, yeah. For women? Reading. Reading, chatting, these are all easily permissible things, right? Because women don't have that annoying obligation of having to study Torah at every available opportunity. So there's nothing inherently prohibited about just schmoozing. Is it is forbidden for a man to neglect Torah study, which means if a man has the opportunity to study Torah and he chooses not to, he is sinning, yes. Is every single minute an opportunity to The way you have to think about it is every single opportunity. Meaning like, like sitting on a bus. Well, so you have to take into account, like, what is it coming at the expense of? Right. And, and, and what, where does the, right, so people do need time to relax. People do need well, time to like develop relationships. No, no, it's got, it's got not time bound. It's fine. No, so no, I mean, it means that a, if a man um, has no good reason to be doing something else, then he should be studying Torah. And it's very yeah. It's the thing Gemara says. One, that's why that's why when the altar wants to describe a bainani, he's like the reason why Rabbah thought he might be a bainani, even though he was really tzaddik, is because he never sinned, even with the sin of neglecting Torah study, which is extremely difficult. You have to like, I mean, think about it. If you really, 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 really care about something, right, and you make your number one priority, then you do it every possible opportunity you get, right? That's the only way for a man to do so this. Um, as a general rule. People have this thing called cognitive dissonance, which is they don't like to hold two conflicting views in their mind. So since, so you can either delude yourself into thinking that you never waste time from Torah study, or you can try and put it out of your mind that you're really obligated to study Torah all the time. Otherwise, you're faced with the dissonance of, you know. I think they more use the thing of like, if you need it, or just like for your well, because I've heard that before, like both people are saying, like when I'm sitting and do whatever, it's because I need it. Yeah, but that's like, you know, after the fact justification for a lot of stuff. Saying, it's it's like, it could be. Okay, I, 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 so I have one of my one of my children really loves studying Torah. Like really? Really. It's about well, he wants to be in bar mitzvah, right? So like, like, and it's not that he studies Torah. He like he also he plays. It's not that he study only studies Torah. He plays keyboard. He he he, he reads books. He does Is things. What? But it's but he. You see that like he's really into studying Torah. Studying Torah is an analyst. like if he's not studying Torah, it's because something he has some other obligation or he feels like he needs like he needs he needs headspace. What? No. He's not a tzaddik. Trust me, he's not a tzaddik. <laughs> not a tzaddik. He's wonderful, but he's not a tzaddik. Um, right. So whatever. Okay. So so there's all sorts of permitted things, right? Okay. The more of his impulse that a man sacrifices, even if only for a while, with the intention of subduing the sidracha on the left part, that's where the evil part runs, as for example, 
when he wants to eat, but postpones his meal for an hour or less. And during that time, he occupies himself in, this, in, in the Torah, as the state of the Gemara, that the fourth hour is the time when all men eat, but the sixth hour is the time when scholars eat, because they used to starve themselves for two hours with this intention. Because that's the pretty standard thing. Gemara speaks about a lot. Food is the thing that keeps us alive. Although after the meal, they would also study it all day. Okay. So what's the example? The example is like this. Back in the day, when did regular people eat? What? The breakfast was the fourth hour. The fourth hour. What's the fourth hour? The fourth hour is, so if you take when the sun rises to when the sun sets, okay? You divide it by 12, right? So the fourth hour is the beginning. Right? So the sun rises, begins the first hour, second hour, the third hour, okay? So the right, beginning of the fourth hour. So that's one third, that's the beginning of the fourth hour is one third of the day, okay? So people would eat their meal. That would be, that would, that would be when people would eat their meal. They get up, they dive in, they go, and they would, that's when they would eat. When would the Torah scholars eat? Two hours later. Why? Three. What? No, but, but the thing is, they, what they did is they switched the times. In other words, they studied the same amount of time. Right? So, just used hour. So, instead of lunch, being, instead of breakfast being at 10 o'clock, they made breakfast at 12 o'clock. But they studied the same amount of times. So well, what do you gain by moving breakfast two hours later? No. What does it say in the text? Except doing the sitrachra, but he adds something very important. With the intention of subduing the sitrachra. So this is very important. If something is forbidden and I abstain, or I don't want to do something required and I make myself, I'm subduing the sitrachra, right? Yeah. By definition. Right? A forbidden thought enters my mind and I don't think it. I move on, as we discussed earlier. I'm subduing the sitrachah by definition, right? I don't want to make a bracha, and I force myself to make a bracha. I'm subduing the sitrachah by definition, right? right? If I start exercising regularly, even though I don't feel like it, am I, by definition, subduing the sitrachah? No. If I push off my meal, if I stop putting sugar in my coffee, am I, by definition, subduing the sitrachah? No. No. No, it's controlling yourself, escafia. No. No. no it, escafia does involve controlling yourself, but not all controlling yourself... Because the skafi is subduing the sitrachah. So if God comes and says, you are not allowed to do X, you must do Y, and the klipa is going the opposite direction, and then you force yourself to do what Hashem says, both what the klipa says, well then that's, regardless of your motivation, is going to be, that's subduing the sitrachah. So if I don't think of forbidden thought, regardless of the reason, I'm subduing the sitrachah, right? If I make sure to say a bracha, regardless of my motivation, even though I didn't want to make the bracha, then I'm subduing the sitrachah, right? But if it's something that is, as far as Hashem is concerned, is permitted, then the fact that I'm abstaining or controlling myself is not subduing the sitrachah. It has to be subdu It has to be done for the intent of subduing the sitrachah. Now, what does that mean? You're doing it for the intent <coughs> of subduing the sitrachah. So I'm going to ask you a question. What's wrong with it? You've heard this question before. What's wrong with it? Whatever. What's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? So the only thing wrong with something is not working? So if it's working, then there's nothing wrong with it? 
And if it is functionally supposed to, then nothing's wrong with it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, people ask all them what's wrong with it, right? What's the assumption they're making? That, you know, you need a reason. You need something like what's bad, right? right? The thing is fine, right? I mean, sometimes some things are forbidden, right? Like, what's wrong with eating pork? Well, God said no. Okay, fine, so I can't eat the pork, yeah? What's wrong with driving on traffic? God said no, I can't do that, yeah? What's wrong with thinking inappropriate thoughts? Well, God said I can't, fine. When did God say that I'm not allowed to... Eat in the fifth hour. You know, what? Eat in the Eat in the fourth hour, right? He didn't say that. When did uh, when did Hashem say that I'm not? When did Hashem say that I'm not allowed to spend two hours clothes shopping? He didn't say that. What's wrong with it, right? Mm-hmm. When did Hashem say that I'm not allowed to read a read a novel which does not have anything halachically forbidden in it? Did Hashem ever say I'm not allowed to do that? No. Well, no. No. Nothing wrong. So what's wrong with those things? Maybe it is beneficial. Eating is, bene- eating is beneficial. Clothes shopping is beneficial. Reading novels. These are all beneficial activities. But that's what, yeah. And, 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 they, still, and they still didn't do it. They, they pushed it off for two hours. So... I remember when I was a Bachar and I heard a, a shir on this chapter from Rabiel Khan, who's the, um, how would you say what Rabiel Khan is? Rabiel Khan is the person who remembered the Rebbe's for Brangans and then repeated them. And from there we have all the teachings of the Rebbe for the most part. Uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think. It's called a Chayzer. I don't know how you say it in English. What? The repeater. The repeater. The reviewer. Anyway. Um, but uh, he, 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 so he said that the idea that you think about what you're doing and decide is it the right thing or not the right thing to do and therefore control your behavior is what differentiates a person from an animal. So doing that does not count as a scafia. What? Doing that does not count as a scafia and not being mm-hmm. an animal, it's just being human. Yeah, just being human. That's crazy. In other words, like, let's say I want to be a doctor. Well, I pretty much can't spend my time playing video games because I got to go to class and do my homework and review and, right? That involves a lot of self-governance, right? At what point in that am I subduing the sitrachra? In fact, I could be a guy. Right? I could have no holiness in me at all. And I'm like, like, like exercising self-control and rational decision-making about what's inappropriate or appropriate and what's beneficial, not beneficial, not giving in to every impulse is not anything to do with subduing the sitrachra. It has to do with oh, being a person. From that point, oh. oh, okay. Oh, so, his, so what he's going to say is... Marshal Talev, Valter says in Tanya, is a feature of being a person. It's not a feature of being a servant of God. In other words, if your Moyach is not Shalat on your Lev, one of two things is the case. You're, I mean, you're either, if you're, you're either a child or you're mentally ill. What? not mentally ill. You're just not, you're not putting in use your human... Yeah, which makes you mentally ill. Fine, call what you want. Mentally ill? Mm-hmm. By the way, the previous rep says that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, first off, there's different kinds of illness, right? right? Like physically, you can be out of shape, mm-hmm. and you can change that by... Mm-hmm. Right? And then there's illness where you need like medical intervention, right? 
So if your mind is not ruling your heart, right, and you're an adult, maybe you just need to practice, right, and some guidance on how to practice, right? And that's all. And maybe you need like some serious medical intervention, including psychiatric medication, right? I don't know, right? And maybe there's nothing that can be done for a person, right? There are people like that, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, it's a spectrum, but... But achieving that sense of like, this is what's important, this is what I care about, and therefore I'm going to live my life at the, based on that and not based on women, impulse, and the mo right? That's just, that's what makes a human being a person, not an animal, right. right? Now, if at the end of the day, Hashem says go right, and my animal soul says go left, and I go right, so I subdued the animal soul, I subdued the klipa, by definition, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. But that's only things that Hashem commands, right? Right. So if a forbidden thought enters my mind and then I don't continue thinking about it, I move my mind to something else, right? So I fulfilled the mitzvah of Laysa Surah of not turning astray, regardless of my motivation, right? Oh, but that's something That's wonderful. But if I, if, I, if I control my eating and my sleeping and my time-wasting, yeah? And not, in the, not where there is a clear, I'm moving from something which Hashem says no to something where Hashem says I must do, or something Hashem is not allowed to do, something Hashem is allowed to do, but it's all within the realm of what I'm allowed to do anyway, right? Then I'm really just serving my own sense of self-perfection. I'm not doing the klipa at all, right? In fact, I'm arguably strengthening the klipa because I'm making, I want to be, you know, like every guy, like every guy wants to be, they want to be the best they can be, right? You want to... You know, you want to be healthy, you want to be successful, you want to be happy, you want to have well-being, right? They're not bad things, they're just not holiness. Like every self-help book in the world, whether it's correct or incorrect in its advice, is trying to say, master yourself, right? Achieve the best you can achieve. Live the life that you really want to live. We all know that requires some kind of self-control. Where's the subduing of the sitra akhra there? There isn't any. Yeah. Was it always that they made the conscious decision to wait and that that was subduing it as opposed to them being like, oh, I should eat and then being like, okay, but this is really good stuff and then like losing like two hours reading a book and then being like, oh, now I should eat because that you're not making a conscious decision. You're no, 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 it was a con no, it says, he says, okay, because, yeah, with this intention. No, but I mean, like, were, were there times where it wasn't, they were like, okay, I'm going to put it off, I'm going to wait, but instead they just accidentally waited that amount of time because they were so engrossed in the There life. might be, but that's not what this is talking about. This is saying they did it intentionally. Look, I mean, there was a chassid who was, who was a master of Iskafia. His name was Nissan Nemanov. Has anyone heard of Nissan Nemanov? Yeah. Anyone here related to Nissan Nemanov? What? No. no. <laughs> so that's so funny. Yeah. Okay, so Nissan, so the, they say, I never, I, they say that Nissan Nemanov, whenever he really started to have, like, really enjoy what he was learning intellectually, he would stop and switch to something else. So that he wasn't about, it's not, it's not, it's not feeding my intellectual enjoyment, it's about serving God. It is crazy, and that's like, a, like, like what's wrong with it? It's like, I'm really getting into this, Gamara. They pick something else up, because you're serving God, it's not about indulging your intellectual passions. Okay, now, right, but, you, so, so, but what the motivation here is that, the motivation here is that, is that there's the subduing of the sitrach, subduing of the evil. And so what's wrong with it is that it's not holy. It's not about God. That's what's wrong with it. 
Now, here's the thing, this is very important. Is it possible for you to decide everything that I'm doing, which is not solely motivated for God, I'm gonna stop doing? No. No, right? You're going to you're gonna you're going to either lie to yourself about your motivations or you'll have some kind of breakdown, right? Yeah. Right. So, right. The, 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 so, and, and, and the goal here is not asceticism. The goal here is not to transcend one's physical existence. Right? The goal here is where possible, emphasis on the word possible, yeah. to give the sitra a kick. And do it for a Right. But it's only giving the sitra a kick when you're doing it because it's sitra oh, So they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. What? So this is something that, like, this, so there's something that, that, that people who take serving Hashem seriously are going down. They have to have in their life something that they can manage. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't deplete them. Right? There, are things, there are things that if you fight, like one of the strategies of the Yitzhahara is, is to get you to fight battles that you can't win. Right. Yeah, but like, what about, like, my quality is to always tell them, like, this coffee would just be like, before you eat, count to five. Yeah. And that's considered kicking. If, 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 if the reason you're doing it yeah, is. Yeah, he says before you eat, country, like one, two, three, five, four, seven, and then eat. Yep. Yeah. Okay. No, those are small things. Okay. The, 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 right? He says even, even if it's temporary. What? No, but it's. The question, because the thing. The, the I mean. Why are you doing it? You the question. Yeah. You're trying to master your health and, like, now I'm going to go on a diet because it makes me healthy. Or before I eat, take me 10 seconds to, like, so the work, I mean, I can, no, 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 wait, so, no, 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 like, I can tell you all sorts of things that Chassidim said, like, a basic level I heard um, from Mishpian was, like, very, this is with food, I want to be clear, everything I'm telling now is just to explain, stress the idea, do not make any actual changes in your life without consulting a mentor, because people are notoriously um, bad at judging what is good for them, and what they're capable of, and people like get in all sorts of like messes by doing too much escafia or the wrong kind of escafia, because the answer is this strategy of like, what? I still don't understand how it's five minutes because you're setting it for Hashem, or you're just controlling yourself. the part of you that wants the so the part of you. Let me start this. Yeah. The animalistic part. Yeah. So I'll give you so I'll give you a few different levels of things, and I don't. So one level, very very basic level is that you go to a wedding and they ask you if you want the schnitzel or you want the, um, the chicken or you want the steak or whatever, yeah? I don't know. What? Yeah, What? I don't know. And so the level one is you ask for the thing you want. And the waiter, which happens from time to time, gives you the wrong one. So what's this gaffia? Don't 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 go don't call the waiter to get back. <laughs> yeah, said so, Nazgaf. You know, you say like you 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 tell the waiter it doesn't matter. You pick, or you know you want this one, so you pick the different one, right? Right? Or you don't. Uh, I don't know. You don't. But all these little things. What are they doing? This is the thing. What are all these little things doing? All right? Or another thing that people do. What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? I'll get to that. Yeah. Or like you about to eat, you don't eat, or you pick up the food. And, and you pick up the food on your, this is one's really hard. You pick up the food on your fork, and then you put it down. Or you finish chewing or eating, right, and then pick up right. your head. Right. So. But all of these things have to be done with, with one basic point, which is the drive in me that wants me to do these things, to eat the food that I like to eat, 
And it's not just the food. I'm just using right now examples of food. We'll get to other examples. Where is that coming from? What's motivating me to do that? To bring pleasure Hashem. That's what makes me want to eat food? No. What's the part of me that wants me to eat this food and to want to be salted this way and wants to eat the next bite right now? What's that part of me? That's the sitrachra, right? And so I look at the sitrachra and I tell it with a very straight face. No. Why? Because you're sitrachra. That's why. (laughs) What's wrong with it? What's wrong with it is it's not for God. That's what's wrong with it. End of discussion. And sometimes that's hard to think consciously. So people sometimes like think like a Torah idea while they're doing that or something. But like, it, it's something that has to be cultivated in a person. But a person doing that, what are they doing? They're making an active measure to find where the Sitra Achra has kind of like conquered areas in their lives, which doesn't, well, not in any forbidden way, and coming and saying, excuse me, you're the, you're the Klippa. So, and Hashem gets tremendous pleasure when the Klippa is stomped on. So, stomp. Stomp. Now you have to be careful that you don't stomp so much that What could happen if you stop too much on the klipa? Yeah, you end up being, you're not functional anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't have enough, enough energy, whether physical or psychological energy, right? <laughs> In fact, later on, the altar is going to say that when a person is too complacent, a person is too comfortable with themselves, a person is too self-satisfied, they can have a very hard time really doing this. Because they don't have the openness that there's something beyond themselves. It really has to come from an appreciation. Yeah, Hashem is beyond me. This brings something wonderful in the world. And the klipa being all about me is just, it's not a good thing. And so I'm just going to knock it down for the sake of knocking it down without any expectation that I'm going to become a different person as a result of that. Yes. This is hard. Well, you have to express what the hardness is. And some possibly there's an answer, possibly there isn't. Now, I will tell you something that I've not seen written in any book, okay? Mm-hmm. Where is it from? I'm from Chassidim with long white beards. There's an oral Torah, which is that there is a difference when it comes to men and women in this regard. Yeah. Is that when it comes to um, eating or physic, purely physical pleasures more broadly, that men and women don't have the same right. thing. In other words, although this idea is true, it has never been a tradition, and I've never heard of it ever being encouraged that to taking a scoff when it comes to food um, really as the, the primary edu- part of how women are supposed to be educated. So the idea of subduing the sitra achra, yes, and there's other ways Al-Kabbat discusses doing it. In general, also, the Rebbe tends to be a lot more skeptical about putting too much emphasis on food askafia nowadays. The Rebbe, the Rebbe, there's letters of the Rebbe to Reb Nissen when about educating the Bacham in Yeshiva that he should focus on other forms of Iskafia. Yeah. Like the next one we're going to get to, which is Iskafia with your mouth, what comes out of your mouth. Right, that's how we deal with food, because it's easier. What? That's how we deal with food, because it's easier. But that, if, it's, if you're doing it because it's easier, no. then maybe, then maybe no. it's not so Iskafia, is no. it? Yeah, it, it still is. It could be hard, but is it really for Hashem? Sorry, let's turn the mirrors. That's a different issue. But 
If Why you're like, because uh, one of your things that are allowed. I'm saying, if you're speaking and eating, and you like do this coffee thing for eating, it's still for Hashem. So if you want, if, I mean, the hardest thing that you can manage. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something like this: that in general, there is a big difference between men and women's roles in Judaism. Okay. <coughs> so we're. I'm, I, I'm getting into this because it relates to the topic at hand, even though it's not really part of Tanya. Broadly speaking, what's the difference between the men, the men's role in Judaism, and the women's role in Judaism? I don't mean to say like particular mitzvahs, like broadly speaking, right? Tzaddikim do one thing, Bainim do another thing, there's a complementariness, right? Men and women, what's the basic difference in terms of... And fathers don't have to educate their children, and women don't need to know things. What? What? You're, you're on to something, but I think it, it, what you're saying is, is too much of a cliche and misses the point. And also can be misleading. The woman's role is at home. It, this follows from that. The woman's role is because the woman's role is primarily X, and the main manifestation of that is at home. There's like. So. The idea is that men, women's job is to elevate the world. And men's job is to bring godliness into the world. That's the basic difference. In other words, that the world itself should be receptive to godliness, that the world itself should be a holy place, that the way things work in the world is a godly way. We're not trying to put so much focus on bringing godliness into this world. That's right. That's why men are more physical, right? I don't know if I would. That makes sense. So. And so, so it's usually like a classic thing in Judaism, right? Classically speaking, okay, the idea is like there's a Shabbos table, right? So who's, in theory, supposed to make sure that there's an actual table that's clean with the food to celebrate Shabbos that we tend to think elevating. of that? That's elevating the world. In other words, this is a home ready for Shabbos. It's a home to receive the Shabbos. And the bring, is, the man is supposed to come home with, you know, a Devar Torah and a Nigan. Right now, I, I don't want it, I want to be very careful, I don't want it to get caught up in like the specific, because it's not that, cause, and every couple has the ways of working things. But fundamentally, the role of a woman is to look at the world and say, how can this world be more receptive? Like a good student, a good student is receptive, is attentive, absorbed, right? How can the physical existence of people, starting with herself and then rating out to her husband and her children, out to her community, be a place where godliness belongs? I think that means that this, what we're talking about here, is more for women then. Because not controlling yourself, subduing the sitra akra is elevating physical things. No, it's not. Subduing okay. sitrach, because subduing sitrach is not elevating. Subduing the sitrach, remember, subduing sitrach means that the sitrach stays just the sitrach as it was before. It's not elevated. Meaning you still want to eat the food. Yeah, nothing has become elevated. Nothing is, right? In other words, you're... You're, you're making a bracha on the... That's not subduing the sitrach. Subduing the, making a bracha is only subduing the sitrach if you really don't want to make the bracha and then make yourself do it. Subduing, um, I know it's, we 
give the example of things that are permitted. But if you control yourself not to say Lashon Hara... That's subduing the Sitrach. That's subduing the Sitrach, For sure. Right? Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. that's forbidden. Anytime you control yourself not to do something forbidden, that's subduing the Sitrach. That also brings to other For sure. But the, the main role, if you can divide men and women... Right. In terms of the in terms of the subduing the sitra element, yeah. Right. Now, in terms of the making your life a holier existence. That's our job. Oh. So now, if we were to think about it more broadly speaking, and I don't mean to say that women are tzaddikim, but there is an element in which you can think that a woman's role is more tzaddik-like, broadly speaking, than a man's role. Because what is a woman's role? How can this life, right, with all of its physicality, with all of its you know, issues, how does that become a place that Hashem belongs? Right? So it's much more about transforming things than subduing things. What? Yeah, there's some element of that. Right? Going back to what we said in the last class about how the base of Migdash was in Binyamin, and so the idea of that a woman's job is kind of like the building of the base of Migdash kind of thing. Whereas the man is much more okay, is this idea of like the sacrificing, the like bringing something transcendent down that wasn't there before. And so. But he still has a job to elevate Right, right. I'm speaking broadly. I'm speaking broadly, right? So now what ends up happening, um, and the Gemara speaks about this strangely. The Gemara speaks about. Um, this is, th- th- what I'm telling you now, the difference between men and women, it says in the Chassidus. Where? Um, the Rebbe speaks about it in Sichas. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly which Sichas. I'm very bad at remembering exact sources. But the consequence of what this means in terms of difference in how men and women, this I've only heard from, like, like I said, older Chassidim with white beards. But, based, but, but there is a, a source for this in the Gemara. The Gemara speaks very disparagingly about women who are way too pious. It's not good. And it's not good. Because, because what they end up doing is getting so caught up in the evils of the physical physicality of the world that they don't actually make the world. Everything can come from an egotistic place. That's why I don't get hung up every time you bring that up. It's like not right? So so it's not a question of like, oh, women should cook and men should learn. That's 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 not the point. The point is that on the margin, there's this idea that you need two things. You need, you need the world to be set up in such a way that Hashem belongs, and you need something that's beyond the world to come into the world. And so there's more of an emphasis on you know, one or the other, depending on men and women. So, for instance, you know... If you, have a, if you have a Shabbos meal where it's like, we're not going to enjoy the food because we're going to like, because you know, our desire to eat the food on Shabbos is not really because of the godliness. Our desire to eat the food is because we like the food because it tastes good, right? Because if the food was served on Tuesday, we'd eat it then also, right? Now, if you, the whole family runs off of that principle, what kind of Shabbos table do you have? And then what kind of, right, and what kind of family do you build? And what kind of Judaism is passed on, right? You see the problem? Right. So whether the wife is the one doing the cooking or not doing the cooking, but kind of whose job it is to be attentive, is our Shabbos table appealing enough? Is it warm enough? Is it comfortable enough? Is it inviting enough? Is it a place where people want to be and they feel there's something beautiful happening here? It's not a matter of being in the kitchen or not, but whose job is to make sure that that's what's happening? That's revealing. 
That's making the world, that's elevating the world, right? And whose job is it to make sure that there's enough depth and spirituality at the table and it's not just like good family time, but there's something transcendent being present. Right now, does that mean that he has to say the Devar Torah? No. No, he can have the kids say. He can, he like it's, it's just a matter of who who has the responsibility for that. Now, so what ends up happening is if you have the person who's supposed to be looking at the home and the family and the community, saying, "Is this place? Is this kind of a receptive to godliness? Is it open to God? Is it the warmth? There's there's joy? Is it the positivity needed for godliness to reside?" Is there that, that kind of a sanctity tapping is going happening? If that's not there, well, then that means that person can't be so anti the physicality because they have to see its potential. And that's the woman's And that's more the woman than the man, which is why I heard that there's, there's from, again, I haven't seen this explicit, that there's not been this tradition that like women should do the same kind of degree of not giving in to their indulgences the way men. Does that, does that mean the idea of a scapula doesn't apply to women? It doesn't mean it doesn't apply to women. And again, this is one where you want to emphasize a person should always consult the mentor before like doing any of this stuff because you can really like give yourself some kind of neuroses or something. Yes, someone wanted to ask. So something. I went to Shalom Shabbos and I really thought that it wasn't presented well. I was really bothered by like how sometimes when I find Chabad shows in different cities, they're not like they don't look so beautiful, and it really bothered me because. Like, why does the Sephardi show next door look beautiful and the Chabad show doesn't? Mm-hmm. And so is it the woman's job to make the show look nice? It's the woman's job to make sure that her husband doesn't ignore the fact that the show is supposed to look nice, yes. In a way that doesn't destroy their show and bias. Mm. <laughs> what? That's always very important. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, you get what I'm saying? Like there, there is an element of this. There's an el- I mean, you put it in, in terms of like education, broadly speaking. Yeah? What's the mother's job in educating the child as opposed to the, the father's job, broadly speaking? The mother's job is to make sure that the child is actually being educated. Right? Is this actually reaching the child? Is the child capable of receiving this? Right? That's 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 the influence the mother brings. Right? What's the influence the father is supposed to bring? What what is the child being educated towards? Now the idea is not like like the child's getting two different messages from two different parents, but the parents come together and then right, you know so. And again, everything is more complicated, and it's not like you have to like fix fix gender roles, but there is this dynamic. So, you know, it's like, you know, the parents are staying up late at night and, and the mother's saying, you know, I don't think that Yankee is like really resonating with what's going on in Haider. <laughs> and so the father's like, I don't know, because the teacher's like really a good teacher and he's really explaining things well. Like, that's fine, and, but Yankee's not getting it. Yankee's feeling very lost and like, right? You know, on the other hand, like, the child should have a clear sense that like doing well in math class does not have any near the value of like doing well in Chumash. Those are not comparable things. Right? And so somehow that has to be blended together, right? And that, that unique blend that the parents give for each child, and okay. So, so there is this dimension that we don't want to get so caught up in the fact that like everybody should do everything that you lose the unique contribution that... So scafi is important for men and for women, but the approach to scafi definitely for women and for men should be different given the fact they play these different roles.
Yes. Sorry, You're not I'm being annoying. Still really thinky about the um, subduing Sitra Acha. So I'm not about what? That we're not supposed to like. Like, why are we taking five minutes before we eat? And why are we not choosing the dish that we like better? Because then the Sitra Acha. Have you ever? Have you ever? You ever a camp counselor? Yeah. Do you ever have a kid at camp that was parents spoiled them? Yes. Okay. When and they come to camp and all of a sudden the counselors don't spoil them. Yeah. How do they react? <clears throat> right. Yeah. But so before their behavior, what do you think is going on inside? Well, they have expectations that we're gonna spoil them. And then what happens? What's so you and then you don't and then what's like the first thing that happens in their mind, whether they're consciously aware of it or not? They don't like me. Oh. No, I don't like you a second. Oh. Um, why are they not being spoiled? Yeah, like, 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 like I, there's a total like shock. Like, like, where is this coming from, right? And then, and then there's a rejection, right? And there's a sense, right? And then you get to the, you know. So, the sitracher is like that spoiled child. Because let's face it, as a general rule, especially if we're talking about the areas of things that are permitted, if your animal soul wants to do something that's permitted, generally what happens? We, I listen to that. I also do, right? So what happens if all of a sudden you turn around to that part of yourself and you say, no. And like, why? Well, because you're not in charge. That's why. You're not God. Like, what happens to the sitrachra at that moment? It, it throws a hissy fit. And you subdued it. Now, does it stop being a spoiled brat? No. That's, that's what's happening. That's I it. I think about that in my Avaidas Hashem, not always, and what I'm saying, and I see that with controlling myself not to do Lashon Hara. Okay, so here's the that thing. I hear, but not because to want to enjoy my food. No, it's not about not wanting to enjoy your food. It's about subduing the Sitra Achra. And the Sitra Achra in doing something forbidden, and the Sitra Achra in doing something permitted is just as much Sitra Achra. It's just as much about you and not about God. Now, the thing is, and this is a reasonable thing, which is, it, and this is a question, to what degree should I be worried about scoffy and permitted things if I'm still not obeying any? Right? That's an interesting question, right? Maybe I'm putting my effort in the wrong area. If I'm still speaking Lashon Hara, then maybe I shouldn't... Right. Now, the answer Chassidah says is that's actually the reverse. Is that... Well, Chassidah says is the reverse, is that if you do a scafia in things that are permitted, you will find it infinitely easier yeah, to control yourself in things that are forbidden. Because you're getting at the underlying, you're, you'll find it infinitely easier to control yourself about things that are forbidden. You do a scafia with things that are permitted. Because you're getting at the underlying issue. Because the issue is not really, like I've told this before, we don't have this red line, oh, that I can't do because it's forbidden. We don't really have that in ourselves. What we have is the, the, the direction. So if the thing that I'm taking, confronting head-on, is the fact that the Sitra thinks that it runs the show, yeah. and that's the thing that I'm tackling, then once I'm, once I'm playing that game, once I'm, once I'm having that, dealing with that issue, right, then if the thing is forbidden, it's just all the more easy. Okay, but does it have to be a contradiction? Like, can you, I'm saying, like, if I, if I now leave, and, like, I walk up and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have one, and then I go home... So I'll tell you the true the true tradition in Chabad yeah. is that is that you it's more important to focus on doing a skafia with things that are permitted than to worry so much about things that are forbidden. So it doesn't have to be. 
the reverse, is that focusing on things that are forbidden, this is one, you ever wonder why Chabad doesn't have this whole thing about don't speak Lashon don't speak Lashon don't speak Lashon <laughs> Chabad doesn't have this whole obsession. Yeah. So one of the answers, one of the reasons, and this is one of those things that if you, the problem is that like if you, if you don't, if you, if you only, if you take half thing, half thing doesn't work. So one of the answers is like this. In Chabad, you're supposed to do a skafia, as we're going to get to in a second, on your thoughts. And bait a, on, in your thought. That's another place to do a skafia. Right. And the idea of doing a skafia in your thought is not, I don't think forbidden thoughts. The question is, is this thought serving God? Oh, it's not. Well, then I'm not going to think it. What's wrong with it? Nothing. It's just, it's klipa. That's it. Now, if that's what, how you're dealing with your own thoughts, are you ever going to get to the place of, dealing with Lush, of speaking Lashon Hara? On the other hand, if you focus on not speaking Lashon Hara, what do you have swarming around in your head all the time? So the, the Chabad thing is you shouldn't be thinking about banal, m- meaningless stuff. Why? What's wrong with it? Is it forbidden? No. No. It's not, yeah, it's, it's klipa. So it's klipa. No. And even doing that a little bit already shifts the whole place you're living from. So that's what he goes. Let's just read this inside. So too, if he restrains his mouth from uttering words that his heart longs to express concerning mundane matters, nothing forbidden there, no lashonar. Likewise, with thoughts of his mind, not forbidden thoughts, just yeah. Like, do you have to make a? Do you have to like? like I'll give you an example. Um, do you have to um, plan things? Yeah. Planning involves in your mind, right? Yeah. Okay. So now, could you decide that, you know what? I could plan. I need to plan, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, you're making Shabbos, right? You make, yeah. I could plan the menu. But you know what? I don't have to do it in my head now. I could do it in five minutes from now. Yeah. Right? And so my... Uh, what? Nothing's wrong with plan. That's, nothing's wrong with it except where's my motivation to plan now? Because I feel like doing it now. You know, oh, I feel like doing it now. That that's that's not that feeling of wanting to do it now is coming from the klipa, right? And for those five minutes, I have to... so those five minutes, I'm going to do something else. Think something else about Hashem. Maybe if I can. If not, but why am I doing it? So the sitracha gets the message. You're not God. You're not in charge. You don't run the world. Even if I'm not doing a mitzvah or not whatever. There's some debate about that, but I'm going to go with a more lenient interpretation. Tanya, there's a debate in Tanya about how that works. What? I said I've never heard that. There, if you read the wording in Tanya carefully, you can make arguments both ways. Really? I'm giving you the more lenient interpretation. Yeah, so, yeah. And so then what happens is that, you know, there's a sense like, what do you mean? Excuse me, the Sitra doesn't have automatic ownership over what goes on in my thoughts. I yeah. right, what? Right. In other words, I don't have a lot of ownership. Who, 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 do, my, who does my thinking activity belong to? Well, if I'm doing, if you do a scafia in your thoughts. So, you know, technically, someone who's on a diet, and like they're like, do something they don't want. Someone that like likes eating healthy, like tech, what is scafia? Technically, like, I'm supposed to do a so they eat with a so I'm going to tell you a story in the, next, in the class. I have to get back to the men's program. There was, there was a Jew, a wonderful Jew. By the way, if you are more of the quirky type that you like things that like, you have to really think about and maybe touch you in a different way, there's one of the best books of Hasidus ever written. It was written by... Is it in Hebrew? No, it's in English. Oh, wow. um, it's called The Impossible Man. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's by um, a lady, right? No, by a man. Um, I forgot his first name. Abu Hosera, who's related like second cousins or third cousins to Baba Sali or something like that. Um, Abu Hosera, yeah. He, he was the one that the Rebbe asked to start whistling in the Fabregans. Very interesting man. So he was very into like eating healthy and like it was from eating in healthy and being control of eating that he eventually got to like being more involved into Yiddishkeit, the whole thing. So I heard this story from I think Rabbi Gestetner because he used to live in this area for a while mm-hmm. before he passed away. And he used to have these Malava monkles where like, like people from all over would come and he was, he was a, like a real person. He, read, he wrote this book called The Impossible Man which is a little artsy but it captures the spirit of what Chassidus is about in such a beautiful way that explaining can never do. Um, with metaphor and, and, and experience and dream. It's just it's a beautiful book. Anyway, so he at... There is a guy who, like, you know, is all about, like, the, what you eat affects who you are and, like, you know, eating healthy. And, like, this was his whole thing. So one, apparently one time, one of his Malava Malka Fabringans, he said, sometimes you have to take a piece of cocoa, dip it in oil, and eat it. And sometimes you have to just, like, you're not, like, get out of here. You're not that into... Right? Yeah. Anything that's the thing. Anything that's anything. anything, that's anything that's point. coming from it's about right. Nisanemanov, learning Gemara. He starts to enjoy the intellectualism of it. And okay, that's not a scoffing that's relevant to me or to you, right? It's like you know what? This is already right. too much klipas involved in this Torah learning. Learn some other right. Torah. Now, if you don't do a scoffing in a way that's beneath you, then you're deluding yourself. If you do scoffing in a way that's beyond you, you destroy yourself. Right. And it says a scoffing has to be each person. In their measure, where they're at, what they can handle, but it's subduing it, and it doesn't have to be with. And this one, it doesn't have to be with permitted thi- forbidden things. It could be even with permitted things. Good. All right.